0: And welcome to That Tech Pod, where we discuss all things e-discovery, data privacy, cybersecurity, and tech innovations. I'm Laura Milstein, and I know a little bit about technology. And I'm Gabby Schulte, and I don't know that much about technology, but I am learning. That's why each week we're talking to heavy hitters in the industry to help us break down these topics. Today, Gabby, who are we talking to?
1: So today we're talking to Karen Hardy. Karen is the partner responsible for McCann Fitzgerald's Legal Technology Solutions Division, a pioneering model for the management of complex data review and project services. Karen is a well-known commercial litigator with involvement in several high-profile commercial court actions through her career. Much of her work is cross-judicial and her team regularly instructs local counsel and other jurisdictions in connection with bankruptcy proceedings, fraud, asset recovery, and data disclosure. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So before we dive into kind of all the weeds, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in, in the industry?
2: Yeah, certainly. So uh, I've been a partner here at McCampus Trailed for 15 years, um, but I've been with the firm since 1998 and uh, I qualified in Belfast in Northern Ireland and then I spent a year there working. a solicitor and then I came to Dublin to work with McCampus Gerald and I've been there ever since. So I'm like a bit of the furniture at this stage. Um, But in the course of my career as a litigator, I've dealt with a lot of discovery exercises. And uh, so, you know, inevitably with the evolution of discovery, uh, that turned into e-discovery. And uh, so I've done a lot of e-discovery work over the years.
0: Um, That's actually one of the things that we really wanted to talk to you about. So you've been uh, working for almost uh, or over actually 22 years um, in the litigation area at McCann's. And so you've kind of seen a lot of changes. I I mean, you were, you were a lawyer before discovery. I mean, not to say before discovery, but before discovery was electronic discovery. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like before to what it is now and, and some of those changes in your career and how, you know, how that has.
2: Certainly. In fact, it's really funny. I was talking to my team yesterday about how I learned to type when I was at school on the old fashioned typewriters and how we had four computers in school and they were for people doing maths and nobody else was allowed near them. That's how old I am. Uh, But, you know, actually, um, you know, it's really interesting. When I qualified uh, as a solicitor, I didn't have a computer on my desk. Uh, So that's how things have evolved. And, um, you know, during that time, It was all hard copy documents. Uh, Faxes were a thing that you did when it was really, truly urgent, but otherwise uh, it was hard copy documents and correspondence took a bit of time to go back and forward. Obviously that's all changed massively. And that has had a corresponding effect on how discovery is managed. Um, The the, the first big discovery exercise I ever was involved in was actually a very big one for a product liability case in which there were 6 million hard copy documents, which the client had collated and and which had to be reviewed. Uh, So that was a bit of a baptism of fire, as you can imagine. And in those days, the client had developed through their IT team, a a very rudimentary document management system to sort of collate and index those documents, Um, how things have changed. Uh, But certainly, you know, that was a really good um, way into the whole topic of discovery in my younger days.
1: (laughs) <laughs> um, no, that's so interesting to think about. Um, you know, I think when we are thinking about sort of advances in technology, I don't think, you know, we it comes to mind kind of how that changes certain industries. And, you know, like you said, it took a little bit of time for kind of communications to go through. And obviously, that's changed so much. So it kind of makes me wonder if what are some of the other like other big challenges that you think um, were notable when it comes to technology and when it comes to litigation and what are some of the solutions to those challenges um, that you kind of discovered? Well, I, I suppose what
2: I, what I would say is discovery is always like an iceberg. So there's the tip of the iceberg, which is what gets produced at the end of the exercise And there's the rest of the iceberg, which all has to be gone through to get to that point. And I think the courts don't always appreciate the rest of the iceberg. And that has been consistent ever since the early days when we were dealing with large volumes of hard copy um, right through to today. I think the biggest game changer really was the advent of the smartphone uh, and the iPad. So what was that, around 2010, something like that, And because that made a huge difference because suddenly people were generating much more information on a daily basis as compared with what they were doing before that. And all of that information is potentially relevant uh, in in a dispute and has to be collated. And I think the courts have been struggling with this concept of the proliferation of data and how do you manage that in the context of a dispute because all anybody wants is to get to the relevant material um, but it's this whole question of how do you get there? And the volumes that you have to go through are just getting bigger and bigger every year. So every time technology advances, it seems as if the volume of data just gets bigger and bigger. And the number of data sources gets exponentially bigger, too. So we're chasing after that constantly. And the, the law is trying to catch up. That That's the biggest challenge, I think.
1: Yeah. And that actually just kind of makes me wonder about, you know, this past year, Um you know i would only guess that our digital footprint has kind of increased because we've been um you know living through this global pandemic and not really able to kind of get out there in real life and talk to people um face to face or at least you know not as much as we were um so has the pandemic or how has the pandemic you know kind of presented any challenges or changed um Anything for you and, you know, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, certainly. I think in two ways, and, and I'm really talking about the the team that we have,
2: which is headed by my colleague, Paula Fear, and on the project services side, um, it manages a lot of varying sizes of projects, but some of them very large. And I think there are kind of two big challenges that we've seen. One is just people getting access to their material has been really difficult because they can't get into their offices. So there have been projects that have been impacted in that really practical way. And then secondly, as you say, there's an awful lot more electronic communication happening than ever before as a result of remote working. And um, one of the challenges, I think, for any discovery exercise is that those channels are different to what they normally are. So I think some organizations have struggled with um, people communicating through unofficial channels you know, and in sort of practical ways to get things done. But for example, if you're negotiating contracts through Snapchat or WhatsApp, and that's not getting saved into your organization's document management system, then that's potentially going to create issues. And it can be very hard to identify those communications and it can be hard then to actually verify what's happened. So those are big challenges. And that whole question of information governance is obviously hugely important for any organization to make sure that they know what there is and where it is, who's been saying
0: what and where. Uh, So those
2: are the two areas I think that have been particularly challenging.
0: Um, we actually, we hear a lot about people with their issues when it comes to using Slack and using WhatsApp and, and, and having the different communications in different areas and figuring out where those conversations were. Um, and so, so it's an interesting point with that. But I want to actually ask you a bit about what you're doing. So so to my understanding, you work in bankruptcy proceedings, fraud, asset recovery and data disclosure. Can you tell us a little bit about what goes into that work in general, as well as on the technology standpoint and and, and how you may utilize that and or not? But but in general, can you tell us a bit about what you're doing on a on a daily basis?
2: Yes, certainly. And because I'm a commercial litigator, the, the range of matters that I deal with is actually quite varied. So, for example, at the moment, I don't have any bankruptcy related matters on the books at the moment, but I have uh, a number of white collar related matters where um, what we call white collar, which is where there's a regulatory matter that is potentially turned either criminal or uh, there's an administrative sanctions process involved. And um, I also do uh, a lot of fraud-related litigation, very often cross-border, um, as Gabby mentioned earlier on, and then I have a media defence practice. So I have quite a varied practice, uh, and, and I love the work that I do. Um, and technology is, is ever-present, obviously, now uh, in, in all aspects of what we do, but we've certainly been using machine learning tools and analytics in, in a lot of different aspects of our work. And it's particularly when you're dealing with a really large volume of information. There are so many tools that are now available to help you navigate that very quickly. So, for example, in a fraud case, you know, if you identify the contents of a server uh, and you need to very quickly work out whether there is material in there that's relevant to the fraud case, you can now do that really quickly compared to what we might have done a few years ago where we'd have been trawling through Uh, all of the emails trying to find uh, the smoking gun. Um, So, yeah, it's very relevant. And uh, I I do less of the trawling myself these days. Um, I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by people who are extremely talented at that and uh, who can press the necessary buttons and get me answers, uh, which is great. Um, And we have a lot of really good state-of-the-art technology at our fingertips, which is brilliant.
1: Yeah. And so kind of, you know, before, uh, talking today and kind of learning a little bit more about you, um, you know, it was noted that you kind of said before that you're really passionate about, um, innovation. And I was kind of wondering what about innovation, uh, it, uh, attracts you and how do you think that plays into the things that you're doing? Like, you know, what you just explained, basically, that's a good question. Um, You know, the the term innovation has become a little bit
2: jaded recently. I think people are quite cynical about lawyers saying that they're innovating um, because in truth, innovation isn't just about tech. It's about doing things better and finding ways to... do things in a better, more efficient way for your clients. And I've been quoted as saying innovation is a mindset. It's not a thing you do. And I believe that fervently. So you know, throughout my career, I've tried to do things better and to find different ways of doing things and not to just be stuck with the way things are done. Because very often the way things are done isn't necessarily the best way to do them. Uh, So technology obviously plays a huge role in that these days, but uh, it's not the be all and end all. And I think a lot of the thinking that we've done as a firm is around trying to improve our processes and trying to make things easier for our wonderful professionals to do what they do best uh, using the technology that we have and other things at our disposal. So that's kind of my approach to innovation. And I I just think you don't ever want to stand still. You know, it's all about progress. It's all about really doing things better.
1: Yeah, and I think as you said, That can be taken into so many aspects of life. Um, Not only just uh, litigation and technology, but so many things. And I think, you know, something that we want to do on this podcast as well is kind of open it up to people who are interested in learning more about technology. And I think, you know, that side of it um, is a way to kind of get people interested. Um, So, so yeah. So, I, I guess in that vein, our last question for you is what do you think um, are some maybe trends coming down the pipeline maybe in the next couple of years that you're really interested about and you think maybe other people that are doing the same things that you're doing or are interested in what you're doing should be paying attention to?
2: Let me think about that now. So, um, well, one of the, the key trends that we're seeing now, which is very much becoming mainstream for us is sentiment analysis and the fact that we now have analytics available that can allow us to examine a data set and work out where the stress points are in the communications. And that is a a really brilliant tool that we have and that we're using in a number of different ways, not only actually in our disputes practice, but also in our risk function. Um, And that has been really interesting. So I think that's going to continue to develop. So I think the next couple of years are going to be quite interesting in that regard. I think as well, I'm really interested in legal education and how relevant the education that students are getting is to what they're going to be doing when they get into the workplace. And so we've, um, you know, been looking at this in a number of different uh, initiatives that we've done over the last few years. But I do think that that whole question of legal education is going to be very important because increasingly as professionals... We are working in different ways uh, to the way we would have worked even 10 years ago. You know, it's it's the change is happening quite rapidly. And it's really important that legal education keeps up with that and that legal technology becomes a part of the law degree uh, that people are actually doing. Uh, that If they want to become lawyers, they need to understand things like um, discovery and analytics and, and all of these other things that are now so mainstream in terms of what we do as litigators.
0: And Karen, I think that's an excellent point, because, you know, when you think law school, you don't think e-discovery. You think, oh, I'm going to have to be reading all these books and learning all these uh, laws. And so it is changing so much that you're right. Having that education, it's shifting um, in a lot of ways. And so you brought up a lot of interesting points today. And um, we just wanted to say thank you. This has been an amazing conversation, and we really appreciate you coming on the show with us today.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure for me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to hearing the rest of the series.
1: So Laura, we just talked to Karen Hardy. Uh, What were your tech takeaways
0: and, you know, just all around Karen Hardy takeaways from that conversation? I mean, I think, first of all, she's impressive. 22 plus years in litigation sounds stressful. (laughs) And to be doing that during a period of change, I think all the people coming into law now, they're used to discovery. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, so different to do your job on a regular basis and then all of a sudden have to change the way you're doing it. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's a struggle.
1: Um, and then, you know, I, we, we mentioned at the top of the show, you know, that we talked to heavy hitters in the industry. And I really did feel like not, you know, taking away from other conversations, but I feel like, you know, Karen in particular was bringing a lot of uh, experience and expertise Um, and got a lot of insights today that, uh, were kind of different because I think this was more, uh, like you mentioned from like a litigation background that we really haven't had a chance to dive into too much yet. So that was, that was really interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and I think- Again, 22 years in that you're, you're learning a lot, and she made some really good points and, and I appreciate that she is not only been in the industry for that long, but continuing to think about what's next in the industry, which I don't think enough people do. and so I think that that's really great. And she even hit home on things that a lot of our episodes have talked about of the different communication forms mm-hmm. of, of what you're talking on and, and how you're connecting those, which, which is really important and, and overlooked a lot
1: and also the new technologies and trends coming down the pipeline um like the the sentiment
0: sentiment analysis but good y- i
1: like analysis. that you were like uh <laughs> <laughs> it was like help me out laura um sentiment analysis no that's actually that is very interesting and I, honestly just like um as somebody who isn't as tuned in obviously clearly um to to all of this it's incredible to know You know, the technologies that are being used and what is what is possible and what's out there right now and like where things might be headed in the next, you know, three to five years.
0: Yeah, it's it's remarkable. To some extent, you think about how far behind we are. Like you look at <laughs> like the movie Back to the Future and you're like, yeah, how come we don't have those hoverboards yet? can't time yet? travel. <laughs> Why aren't we able to time travel? Why aren't those shoes just tying themselves? And then to the other <laughs> extreme, you're just like, oh, my goodness, this technology can tell me what I'm thinking before I'm thinking it. That's scary. <laughs> so it's a it's a weird bucket.
1: Do you know in his wood bucket. Do you know what I'm actually very excited for, Laura? What?
0: Self driving cars. You're excited until it crashes. And then who are you blaming? The car an, an or the company?
1: An interesting fact is that a lot
0: of people were very scared of elevators because of that same sentiment. I'm still scared of elevators. Have you ever been trapped in an elevator? They're terrifying. I it's, it's a terrifying experience. But I am excited for the self driving cars as well. I'll I just want to be
1: able to like Watch a movie on my way to wherever we're going. It's like a your own little train. It's just Yeah, I just, just, yeah, just
0: want to go on like an extreme road trip and not just wanna have take to a worry nap. about it. I'm like, yeah, we can drive through the night. No problem. Because I'm exactly. not driving. Yeah.
1: No, there you go. No, uh, Anyway, If right.
0: you're listening to this podcast and you work in an industry that discovers, creates, or implements self-driving cars, we would love yeah. to have you on our episode.
1: We would love to have you on it. I would love to have you on our episode because yeah. I want to know more about it and laura wants to
0: ask you questions to feel safer about it so i would like to test drive the backseat of the car i will <laughs> step up with that being said please reach out to us at thattechpod at gmail.com with any questions if you want to be on the show if you know anyone who wants to be on the show if you work in a self-driving car industry or check us out at www.thattechpod.com follow us on linkedin at that's right that tech pod thank you so <laughs> much we are so excited to hear from you. And if you want a way to help us out, we have a really easy one for you. All you, have
1: to do, go, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write us a little review. It'll take, you know, maybe 10 seconds and it'll really help us out because it just, you know, helps that tech algorithm and it helps people find us on podcasts.